Hey everyone, welcome to Real Women Real Estate episode hey. yeah. 57. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. All right, guys, today is going to be a fun episode. This is what we call an Ussy, and we're going to just be talking about some of the recent events, some of the things that's been happening in the world, especially in the real estate world, and what our thoughts are about them. So before we get started, you know, we got a quote for you. Today's quote is, the struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. And that is by Robert Two. Personally, I'm just going to take that and sit in it because it has been a struggle this week. (laughs) Amen. Take that all in. (laughs) We're going to ingest that. But it's making me better for who I need to be tomorrow. Amen. So. Amen. Speaking of struggle, okay, <laughs> I feel like everyone has, I think we talked about it a couple of times about how COVID has been a struggle, but I think for a lot of people, the eviction ban that happened right after COVID, the COVID pandemic started, was like a whole nother level of struggle, right? So like, You have landlords who can't evict people who are not paying rent because of the eviction ban. And just this week, we learned that a federal judge has overturned the eviction ban. Right, ladies? Yep. So the question is, what does that mean for us in the real estate world? Is that good or bad? It's good because people can get their money now. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who are pissed off to say the least, right? That people were just taking advantage of it. So if you have a few, you know, bad apples, but I think there were a lot of people um, that were rightfully did not have jobs, did not have a means to pay their rent, but I think that they were honest and truly, you know, making trying, right? And then there were a lot of people that were just taking advantage and it became uh, a big deal, a big source of, you know, to the point where it had to go all the way to the Department of Justice, right? Yeah. I mean, personally, I think uh, anytime you announce like a change or a ban on a broad scale like that, you know, people are going to take advantage of it. I think the same thing is probably going to happen or is happening with the foreclosures. We have yet to see what's going to happen with that on the moratorium, but on the eviction, you know, side, like there are tons of local organizations that have resources if you can't pay your rent. It was like that before COVID and since COVID, like the CARES Act, there's tons of money out there. So really there there isn't much reason not to pay your rent at this point. Go Let's ahead, Kim. Real. How many people are gonna take advantage of that, right? Like, oh, I ain't gotta pay my rent and I'm not gonna be penalized? How many people really would take advantage of that? I don't know. What's lot- so... Was it so on a on a broad scale, though, like if you weren't pay, paying your rent, like was it just getting put to the back? Or I guess that's between the landlord and the tenant on like what happens to that? I don't know. Like, what no, was no. The, the actual property owner was doing that, was filing and saying, hey, go ahead. And it just depended on that lender. And for most people, it was, hey, I'm going to put that that rent that's not being paid or that's forbearance period. I'm going to tack that to the end of the loan. So it wasn't like you were going to get hit with a big balloon payment to get caught up. It's just stuck to the end. So that's a non-penalty. I mean, if you never plan on paying off your entire loan and it's a 30-year loan, who cares whether it's being stuck to the end and they're going to add a year or so or two years or whatever the case may be, you know, who cares? As long as they don't raise the interest rate, that's fine. And I think for the people that were, um, they were stuck and that's what the big deal was. That's why all of the property owners were so upset because they were like, hey, I can't house somebody for free. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and where and where is this? Why isn't our government stepping up? Why isn't our government stepping in, making policies that can help? They can truly help people, and that they apply. If you would choose not to apply for it, that's on you. Right. You know, because I do believe that there are people out there that are truly hurting, and yeah. that truly oh. need help. With kids and childcare and making these tough decisions, such as do I go into work or do I stay home with my kids and all of those people that truly need uh, the help. So this was this I don't think this was a no brainer. I think it could have gone either way. But I mean, we are getting back to normal. We do have our people are getting shots and vaccinated. And so we're getting back to the old way. I guess it's time. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it does still come down to the state's decision. A lot of states have have not had the the ban on evictions for some time now but there are still a handful of states that are you know going to continue to honor the eviction ban um or you know it's probably going to continue to go through the courts but to your point courtney you know people are hurting hopefully people are able to find the resources but at the end of the day it's about money it's about making sure that you know the rent is paid so that the mortgage can be paid so that everybody wins that's the whole point of real estate right mm-hmm win-win situations so all right so talking about win-win situations y'all heard about bill and melinda melinda is winning because there is no prenup spicy (laughs) i just don't know how people are getting all these yeah how are they getting all these updates so we got an update today that she's getting like how many millions of shares of coca-cola how do people know this already isn't this private if you're in if you're actually divorcing isn't this considered private information no, you can have your, it is if you get it locked, right? So like my friend got hers locked where her information cannot ever be disclosed. I guess they didn't do that. I would think that they would because they got all this money. But I, I saw something on Facebook earlier today or yesterday that said all these billionaires getting divorced. So money doesn't buy you happiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I, I thought mean, of that too, actually. Yeah. I mean, real talk, like. You've got, you know, two major people this year, billionaires, getting divorced or got divorced. Oh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Dang. You're right. I, I surely could be up in Bill Gates' inbox. I think I think Jasper would actually be okay with that. That's the same. Hey, big head. Hey, big head. <laughs> with the hey, big head. So... I did hear that Melinda is already a billionaire because they've already started dissolving the assets. It says $146 billion is set to be divided between the two of them. But I also saw something pretty interesting that said, kind of to your point, Kim, about billionaires getting divorced. Like This might be a strategic move for billionaires to kind of move money around, right? With some things that, that's going on in the market. It's, I, don't, I don't know. It's cheaper to keep her, right? If split evenly, she would be worth $65.25 billion. She is now would be the second richest woman in the world. Who's the first richest? I don't know. I'm about to click on it. Yeah, we need to find that out. Who is this? Who is? I just feel like it's cheaper to keep her. And why would you, you know, split and devise all your assets up? Like you, it must really not be able to work. If you That's can't make point. this work, like it, damn, COVID, COVID has some real, it just exposed everything. So not Courtney, even billionaires. That the point though that, that I was hearing is that it's not an actual split. Like they're not married anymore, but that the assets, somehow the assets, he'll still have access to them. Something like that. I don't know. 
Yeah. That sounds like the most peaceful divorce ever. I mean, what y'all got to argue about? Facts. It's like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. But if they didn't have nothing to argue anymore. about, then, I mean, why did they get to just stay together? I guess they so would So there's a trend. She called- already bought a house, y'all. She bought a house, bought a $1.2 million cottage in Seattle three weeks before she and Bill filed for divorce. Y'all want to hear something crazy? What? I heard that Bill Gates is was still able to have a weekend with his ex-girlfriend for the first 10 years of his, his marriage. So they arranged for that, but they didn't arrange for a prenup? That don't make sense. And they weren't even rich the first 10 years. So you mean I'm allowing your broke ass to go see your ex-girlfriend? What? No, they were rich. Uh, Microsoft was ex- in existence. It yeah, was no, like, they've been rich yeah. for longer than 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah in the beginning, the yeah. 10 years. I thought they of were. Their marriage. Yeah, of their marriage. Of their marriage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they were wealthy. At Microsoft. They were wealthy. Yeah. Okay. They've been so, rich. So the the his ex-girlfriend was kind of like a science person too. And like, apparently they had the type of connection that only he and her could have. And they would just get together once a week or once a weekend every year and just have like a nerd weekend and drink wine and talk about science. Weird. Well, that brings me to the next point. When is it too soon to ask for that asset? Like, hey, I'll sell that for you. Or, hey, let me reach out and slip on in. Because this is going to be a trend, just as evictions and moratoriums and foreclosures. Let's not act like divorces is not in that realm of highly sought after people for a investor, realtor, whatever the case may be. You got tax liens, you got absentee owners, you got divorces. It happens. These are facts. So when is it too soon to reach out? Is this going to be the new inventory? Is this going to be the new foreclosures? That's a great okay. question. Pause because I had to click to find out who is the richest woman in the world. It's Frances Benincourt Myers. She is the source of wealth is L'Oreal, the L'Oreal company. She is Ooh. worth $73.6 billion. Okay. Yeah. And number two is Alton, and her source of wealth is Walmart. And she is set $61.8 billion. So yes, that would make Melinda number two if she, if it's split evenly. Woo. Well, there you go. Well, I don't feel poor at all right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Man. Yes. But yeah, no, I mean, back to the point, right? Do you think that this is going to create boatloads of inventory? You know, this is this, you feel bad because you can't target people. As a realtor, you can't target people, but you feel bad though going after someone that's been divorced. Is this a sensitive topic or is it any different than going after the deceased? I personally think a motivated seller is a motivated seller. Um, I think it probably requires a little bit more tact the same way it would for like a probate conversation. But at the end of the day, if you're helping solve somebody's issue, right, then I don't think it really makes much of a difference. My question would be, in the in the instances where I've talked to sellers who are going through divorce, there was always kind of that, like, I'm thinking about, like, specific situations where they didn't know what they were going to do, right? And maybe, like, you could jump, jump the gun a bit because the assets still have to be discussed. And, like, you know, they're worried about the kids, they're worried about bank accounts and stuff. The house is important, but, you know, it's, it's sometimes something that people don't want to think about, so... I think if you're a real estate agent, there's nothing wrong with 
with reaching out tactfully, which I know you can do, Court. I think there's reaching out tactfully, but there people don't go after divorces because they're messy. I yeah. know uh, in in experience right now, uh, listing uh, the representing the buyer. Repre- I'm representing the buyer. That um, that seller no longer wants to sell. Be, she came in on the end and she um, issued a late, what you call a lays pendants, which basically is a stop sale. And I don't know if she wasn't notified of the sale or if she just decided that she's not getting enough ass. Whatever the case may be, a woman's scorned is a woman's scorned. And she has stopped the sale. And this is not the first time this has happened in the office. I mean, there has been at least three cases this year of something like this exact same thing happening where the woman is stopping the sale. Now, it just so happens to be that it's the woman. But that's why I think people don't, you know, target per se. Because it can be messy. It can be very, very messy. And you'll have to be the therapist as well as trying to get your commission. But I mean, thinking about that, like in your market uh, on the West Coast, it's probably worth it to be a little patient. You know, if you if you're not solely going after divorces, but like if you include it, you know, in that market, in your marketing, I could see where it could be beneficial, maybe. But didn't we have guests that did go after solely we had someone on that talked about that. Yeah, tax liens. She, um, tax I know, Precious. Yeah, it wasn't that, not Precious. Talk about Portia. 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 Um, I was going after tax liens. And then I don't remember divorces, though. But I mean, all of, like I said before, all of that can be lumped into the same category as like you're going, you know, you're hunting for inventory. And that's all you're really doing. But I think you just have to be careful when you are. Um, have that realtor because you can't get in trouble for what you consider targeting right but as an investor it's game open i mean you don't have that uh fiduciary duty of you know above you as long as you're you know treating people like humans there you go go after it do what you you know do what you need to do so yeah yeah, i think that's i think this could be big though i think as much as foreclosures probably aren't going to happen so much, you know, in, in this market, I think that this is going to be a thing to create inventory. Just like people are sitting back at their home saying, oh, I hate my house. I think that people are going to be sitting back saying, oh, I hate my spouse, <laughs> you know, the same thing <laughs> and creating that inventory. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, speaking so, of inventory, you know, it's a seller's market. It's going crazy out here. I came across the post. I thought it was pretty interesting. I'm going to get y'all's, y'all's feedback on it. So basically, this lady was talking about how her and her her boyfriend are wanting to move. They're tired of living in an apartment. Um, they have moderate incomes. I think she said her boyfriend is like a teacher. She's like a somebody, something, you know, moderate income. And they've been looking for a house since January. So we're in the fifth month of looking for a house. She said that they have been putting out offers like every week and they're constantly getting beat out by cash offers. They have a moderate price point in in Texas, which is about 200,000 to 300,000, which prior to COVID that could get you a pretty decent house. Like <laughs> in this recent market, the house housing values are way above 300 in the, the DFW market. So essentially what she's running into is constantly getting beat out 
on the offers that they're making, having to change their location or change their price range. And so what she's wanting to know, which I'll ask you guys, what would you do is would you change your location? Would you just rent a little bit longer or would you change real estate agents? Like how, how would you try to snag a house in this, in this seller's market? What's your advice? I was gonna let Kim go first. You know what? It really depends on her situation. Everybody's situation different. Now, if I were like my rent was going to go out, I was going month to month and I didn't want to pay this high rent and I needed to get out. And this was the next option. Like this was the option for me. I no longer wanted to, I couldn't live like this. I'm growing out of this apartment. Then yeah, I would keep going afterward. I think if you are continuing to lose the offer and you're with the same person, yeah, I would, I would, I would take a step back. And I had telling you this off, off the line that, man, I put something on, like if you're having trouble reaching, uh, if you're having trouble getting your offer accepted, then, you know, give me a call. But that's really not tactful. I mean, the right thing to say is like, there are the tips and tricks. And one of them is that I've used is I said, we're putting more money down than what the, what we actually are. No one's going to go back and say, oh, you didn't put your 20% down. You only put your, you know, whatever. Like, are you only, you didn't put your 30% down. No one cares, but it looks better to the seller. And it looks better that you are financially, uh, what do you say, sound. And long as we can show that we have the cash in the bank to put down the 40% that we said we were going to put down at 50% so that we can, if we have to, um, that's great. But if we don't have to, and we just want to show that we are financially strong or earnest to get our offer accepted. So there are strategies. There are things that, you know, kind of walk in that, that gray line. I don't mind sharing that, but there are strategies that are getting offers accepted in this market. And, and then there's, even asking, you know, like really sticking your neck out for your client and asking for a rent back. Hey, we're paying a premium right now. You know, give us a, not a rent back, but give us a, a seller's or a buyer's credit, you know, especially if I'm giving you rent back and I'm letting you stay in the house for 60 days, like stick your neck out there and say, Hey, what else, what else is your seller willing to do? I'm paying a premium. Can they give up something, you know? Yeah. So there's there's different strategies, but yeah, I mean, if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result, then it's so crazy. So. so it sounds like Court, your advice is to for the real estate agent, for her agent, to be more creative uh, with the way that they're going about trying to trying to get the homes. Yeah, that's alarming. Like I wouldn't want my client posting on Instagram. Hey, anybody? Hey, anybody out there? I would would want that to be that's that seems like you're out here doing my job or that makes me look bad you know like I should be calling around what neighborhood did you like that we missed out on let me call the people in that neighborhood and see if anybody's open to selling like get to work try to create inventory well what I was gonna say is the one that post it was suggested from her agent to post that Oh, so that's even them. more. That's even more. Her agent um, said that might be the only way for her to get a house is to find one off market. Not necessarily. She, well, the post I saw was basically, you know, is anybody selling their property that I can get to before it goes on market? So mm. she's like, hey, anybody got any coming soons kind of mm-hmm. thing. And she said that her agent told her that might be her best way of doing it. But why is the agent not doing that for you? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the exactly. agent. Like, why is the yeah. agent? If the agent 
that should have been the message. The message should have came from the agent, not the the agent telling you to put that, you know, put that out there on Facebook or in these groups, you know, in these investor groups. Yeah. Because that's what I found. It was in an investor group, which, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, like, she got all sorts of, all sorts of uh, advice. I think from an investor standpoint, like, it's really separating. <laughs> What'd you say, Kim? Yeah, when somebody told her to still rent. <laughs> I mean... I, I think it's I think it's really up to the person. I think you can't to me, I'm still renting. I'm probably gonna have to rent a little bit longer than I expected because I'm gonna be in the similar situation. I'm I'm not as motivated as her to find a property now. Only because like I'm still trying to figure out what I want. But I think if I were in that that boat, like I would I'd do everything I could to try to get a property. But I also wouldn't like overextend myself financially or settle for a house that I don't like just to say I bought a house, right? It seems like buying at the top of the market or buying like a money pit would be a worse decision than just renting a little bit longer. So I don't know. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, because you can get desperate, right? Yeah. So you don't want to do that. That's actually great advice. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, uh, you know, a homeowner I worked with recently who bought a property, thought she was getting a great deal. It was a flip she bought and it turned out being like a super money pit. And she was so close to being upside down that she was basically have to do a short sale. And I was like, well, that sounds terrible. It was, do not want to do that. Sounds awful. So no. Always get your inspections. Before you close, get your inspection. Do not waive inspections. Lord have mercy. Mm -hmm. Well, in this market, it's a lot of people waving inspections. Sure. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, you can waive contingency. I'm not contingency and inspection are two different things, right? Like you can have an in, a contingency inspection that says, "Hey, I have a way out." I'm saying eliminate your way out. But at the end of the day, before you close on that home, like get it inspected, or like let that be timing. So here we'll have offer due dates. So my client was like, "Hey, can I have like a one two day contingency until this?" structural engineer can come out he can come out mm. to that wednesday so we dropped the price by fifty thousand, dropped the offer by fifty thousand dollars and said no contingency it was going to be one or the other and then when no one would give us and then someone else came in with the additional money that they really wanted that matched the comp and we didn't come up we didn't come up because we were just like no there's there's vertical cracks and horizontal cracks in the foundation and like you said ebony like you don't want to get into a money pit like mm-hmm. uh, the crack depending on the size and the width a foundation crack can easily run you twenty thousand dollars easy so why yeah, why buy why, why buy twenty thousand dollars debt on the home i mean they made the right decision they didn't have the facts so you know, yeah. desperation they are but just gotta find yeah. the right home yeah. And plus, we don't know what the market is going to do. Right. It's just it's just just keep an eye on it. Watch it if you can. But I mean, heart goes out there for everybody in that in that boat. I just thought that was interesting. All right, ladies. Did you want to t- tell us, teach us your uh, Deutschcoin? Is it Deutschcoin, Kim? Tell us what is going on with Deutschcoin. Should we buy? That's an ebony thing. I feel like she had Dodgecoin. Man, when they say Deutsch, Dodge. So Ben Baller said Doge to Doge Doge today. Anyway, it's Doge is like it's off of a dog. It's like doggy. It's a meme. Yeah. So Dogecoin, Dogecoin. I don't know about Dogecoin. That's a little different. But I mean, at the end of the day, 
it's up. <laughs> it's at 60 cents right now. I bought I bought in at 0. 0.009 cents back in January. And like a dummy, I sold in February because I was looking at the Reddit boards and they were like, uh, it, it started to tank after the Super Bowl. And so they said sell and then buy again, which clearly I don't know what the hell I'm doing because I, I should have never sold. I should have never sold. Um, so it's up 12,000% since January. So um, can only imagine how much money I would have. I think I bought, I bought 3,000 coins in January. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I won't talk about it. <clears throat> you wouldn't even be on this podcast anymore. You'd be like, deuces. <laughs> yeah no i'm a i'm a newbie investor on all fronts um and i'm i'm in a in a investment uh stock group on facebook and they had been talking about dodgecoin so i was like okay you know i can play around with that just kind of threw some money in but i will give anybody advice do your due diligence don't just look at the message boards or what's going on in the on the news, like do your due diligence, buy and sell at your own risk, or else you'd be looking crazy. Yeah, like and that's, I am. Ex- yeah that's exactly <laughs> why I haven't done it. I have not done my research. I don't know anything about the coins. And all I know about is how to value and how to look at the value of stocks, but I don't necessarily understand how to value the coins. And so that is why I have not dipped in. Now, I Kim did put me onto Bitcoin way ahead of the game. And I bought some, I moved some different coins around. So I probably have a few bucks in there, but nothing to, nothing to say deuces to. <laughs> Bye y'all. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> So, so any rapid fire questions as we wrap this thing on up, I would like to ask you guys a rapid fire, each, each one of you, one question. There we go. And I will start with, well, I'll ask you guys the same thing right now. Well, real quick, real quick, before we get off of that, I I know I mentioned to you guys and we were talking about the Dodge coin. We talked about lumber, I feel like on our last one. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned on the last one, but I feel I bought some lumber and Ebony. Well, what's the what's their name? Warehouser. Warehouser. I bought lumber, a lumber, some lumber stock, and it's up. <laughs> but you know, it's just a you know how we say you got to look at how you were seeing unique ways, Courtney, to get your buyer stuff. I started thinking about one from our previous guests. I started thinking about not you know different ways to invest in stocks and. When lumber, the fact that lumber is up like 30% or however much is up and how, you know, whatever, I was like, what about lumber stock? You know, mm-hmm. same thing with copper, copper is going up. So what I did and what you guys may want to do, if you know, for those who do invest in stocks is Google, you know, some lumber companies, look those up, some copper companies, look those up. The things that are going up in this market right now are things that you may, if you're not investing in the homes, but you still want to get into the home game per, per se, do it on the back end, do it with the stocks. And for me, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna buy a lumber stock, you know? And so it's the same, it's kind of those things when we talk about investments and what to look for, you know, my uncle always said to invest in things that you are interested in or that you spend your money on. And so with us being property investors, I'm like, well, clearly I'm spending money on on this wood that I got to build this fence and it's going to cost us a hell of a lot more than it would have last year. But I was like, I should invest in some wood. So that's how that came about. But I just want people to think outside the box when it comes to thinking about, you know, not everybody has to have the major ones, of course, you know, Apple and Microsoft and those kind of companies. Look for some of the smaller ones that are actually increasing that you don't even think Ew. about. 
<laughs> it says okay. no, lumber prices. Advice. Lumber prices are up two hundred and eighty percent. Two hundred and eighty percent. And it's not going as builders. That's that's don't. really smart. I know. <laughs> Trees are a non-renewable resource. Correct. Windows don't happen. Windows don't no, happen. that is that is actually great advice. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. So yeah, so back to just kind of wrapping wrapping this up with rapid fire. I just wanted to know really quickly, what's the last song you ladies heard? Like, what is the last song y'all listen to? So it's rapid I have, fire. All right, I gotta answer quickly. So I've been listening to a lot of different things actually. Today I was listening to Childish Gambino. I'm re-listening to to Redbone. I'm gonna say this, and Kim, I don't want to hear your mouth. But that new lucky day, okay? <laughs> that new lucky day with Babyface is a bop. All right, it is. It is. It is. It's no, that's Courtney. You don't want to hear mouth. Not right, mine. Courtney. No, I like Courtney. Lucky. Courtney, don't no, no, that's a lucky day. She's like, I'm gonna check it out. out. I'm gonna check it out. I'm excited because I love me some Babyface. So if you put that with this new cat, maybe. But I don't. All right. You're going to love it. Um, it's great. I listened to Sirius Satellite. So the last song I actually heard was, what's it called it? And um, it's a brain fart. Nate Dogg and um, Warren Jean. So that it's was a last classic. Song. Yeah. I mean, it was the last song on um, Sirius Satellite when I was getting out the car. But you were rocking though. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. That's what Tell I'm talking your about. age. Oh. Tell your age. Not just <laughs> <laughs> Of course. <laughs> what you listen to? <laughs> No, you know, because I'm younger. So what I was listening to, I was listening to Kala's new album. Really, I, that's what I worked out to this morning. That was uh, Kala's new album. Khaled. Oh, Khaled. So, uh, DJ Khaled. DJ You're album. so cool. So You're I so love cool her. for me, Courtney. What do you mean? I, he has some, I don't understand the whole DJ Khaled thing. Like he's a DJ, but he gets everybody on his album, but he gets the rights to it. And he gets the, I just don't understand that. I, I don't get it. What is he doing? Is he mixing it? Like, I don't understand. Producer, That's what Quincy right? Jones did. But there's other people producing the track. Like, is he a DJ? I don't understand. Maybe you're right. That would make more sense if you were producing it. I need to look up the creds. But anyway, I like the I like the few songs. There's only about one skip that I did throughout the whole thing. Okay. So I thought it was nice. About, speaking of, you both could probably appreciate this. And, it, and it's a recommendation for our listeners. If you like music and you like documentaries, check out The Defiant Ones. I think it's on Apple. But it's really good. It's about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. And it talks about like all the different artists they worked with and how they came together on that Beats Apple merger. Very, very interesting. And there's some good music in there too. So it explains kind of what you're asking about, Corinne, about like how a producer is able to make money off of an album like that. Like it breaks all that down. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, in my, my other life, I'm a record exec, right? I really feel it so I feel the music like no one else. No, the way you said Khaled. That's why I was like, you too cool for me. I'm like, who's Khaled? Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I'm a lucky. Okay. <laughs> All right, girl. <laughs> Ooh, let me make it, girl. Let me make it. Yes. All right. Well, this has been great. We only did that one question, but I think this I think this was a good us right? I think this was really good. And I enjoyed this uh this day with you ladies. Next week we'll I, be back with I the guests. I love all our Uffies. I love all our Uffies. Oh, there we go. 
next week we'll be back with the guests so next week we'll be back to our normal platform and yeah look forward to seeing you guys hope you enjoyed bye bye, bye. bye. <laughs> bye.